right. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Steve Spurrier Award press conference, Zoom press conference. Really appreciate everyone in here that uh, contributed uh, to making this award happen. Certainly a uh, coach Spurrier with an illustrious career and a man that's uh, definitely deserving of being recognized. And, and, and I got the idea uh, for naming this award after coach Spurrier about a year ago, looking at the past award winners. And a lot of these guys won these won this award. Uh, a few of them in the SEC. Of course, they didn't win it when they were in the SEC. Byron Harson won it at Boise State. Jimbo Fisher won this award uh, at Florida State. Josh Heupel won this award at Central Florida. And there's really only a couple of coaches that wanted it SEC co- as SEC coaches, and that's Gus Malzahn and and Coach Spurrier. And uh, and I started to look around the landscape of college football, and we got a lot of awards named after a lot of people. Um, but as far as recent icons being recognized I don't know that we do a really good job with that and when I think back over the course of my career uh, I guess it's been about almost 30 years now covering the league and my fondest memories and the greatest games I covered a lot of them were at the Swamp and a lot of them were against Coach Spurrier teams Uh, now I never covered Florida I covered the other team I covered Auburn when they went down there Terry had a couple good games had some bad games covered Alabama against Coach Spurrier and some SEC championship games uh, certainly covered enough games at Tennessee to understand the passion in that robbery. And now at Georgia, you can still say Coach Spurrier's name and, and heads turn quickly um, because he had that sort of command in that robbery as well. And uh, the 1990s in SEC football were synonymous with the Florida Gators. Uh, they were absolute dominators. Uh, they were the team to beat. When you covered a team and, and you went into the swamp, you knew that your team was looking for an oil painting moment. Because a lot of teams didn't get out of there with victories. Uh, I think we all know uh, the record that Coach Spurrier ran up there and and certainly, um, you know, the legendary players and the great seasons that the Florida Gators enjoyed. So uh, with that, I want to introduce Chris Doring. Without Chris, this wouldn't have happened. I was kind of brainstorming with Chris and, and, and asked him what he thought about it. And, and he was excited about the opportunity to recognize his ball coach and and a great era of Florida football. And, and he also pointed out that, that Coach Spurrier did some great things at South Carolina. And, you know, boy, I started looking closer at that. And, and holy cow, uh, you know, there were some, some things and some standards set there. And, you know, good luck to the next South Carolina coach, Coach Beamer, because Coach Spurrier proved you win a lot of ball games there and you can beat Clemson. So no pressure there. Uh, but, Chris, I'll let you uh, introduce our speaker tonight, if you would, and, and share a couple moments on your thoughts on the Coach Steve Spurrier Award. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here today, and I certainly appreciate the opportunity to help get this award off the ground. Uh, As you and everybody else knows, Coach Furrier means about as much to me as anybody in this world and what he's done for my life personally and and, uh, my playing career as well. Uh, So when when we were putting this award together, we were thinking about possible sponsors, and and the idea came to me about sponsoring it myself with Chris Doring Mortgage. Uh, every time I've aligned with Coach Spurrier, whether that's been at Florida Recording or with in the progress. Washington, uh, it's, it's led to a lot of success. And so uh, this is an opportunity for my business to be aligned with his name, which is a benefit. But I'd be lying if I, I wasn't uh, truthful about the opportunity uh, to honor my coach. And uh, again, somebody that's meant so much to me. Uh, this award is perfectly fit for him and a guy that's had success everywhere he's been in his first year uh, in an era where a lot of coaches uh, say they got to have two or three recru- recruiting cycles come through before they can win. He did it with guys that he largely didn't recruit. And the reason that he did that is because he was able to get guys to believe. And, and that's one of the most powerful forces in the, in the universe is, is the ability to believe in yourself 
and the ability to believe in one another. And so I, uh, I'm just grateful for what I learned from him, what that's done for me in my football career, and maybe more importantly, what that's done for me in the rest of my life and, and touching those around me as well. So it is my sincere pleasure to uh, have Chris Doring Mortgage, my company here in Gainesville, as the uh, sponsor of the Steve Spurrier First Year Coach of the Year Award. And uh, on behalf of all the players that have had their lives enriched by uh, playing for Coach Spurrier, we look forward to honoring, honoring him with this and, and his, uh, his legacy going forward. So without, uh, without him, all of our lives and trajectory of those lives would have been much different. So excited about that and excited to hand it over to another SEC legend as well. Uh, Charles Bloom will be emceeing things here. This is a guy that was in the room where it happened on more than one occasion and now uh, doing a great job over at South Carolina. So, uh, Charles, thank you for handling this tonight. Thanks, Chris. And, uh, I, uh, you know, when Mike Griffith called me, um, you know, I had no choice but to say yes to take part tonight. And, uh, you know, he told me that, uh, you know, I fit in perfectly uh, being with the Southeastern Conference office, uh, working here at South Carolina, and then uh, my, uh, my ex-officio role with the Football Writers Association back in the day. So uh, I wanted to uh, throw out uh, uh, Coach Spurrier's athletic achievements first, and uh, there are many, and I hope I don't miss any because there, there, there are so many. Uh, he was a uh, first team, a two-time first-team All-American. Obviously, in 1966, he won the Heisman uh, UPI Player of the Year. He won the Walter Camp, was the SEC Player of the Year, uh, and and that really uh, started etching his name in uh, the SEC record books as a player and a coach. Uh, his Gators won the 1996 National Championship. Uh, when he was at Duke, he was a two-time ACC Coach of the Year and led the Blue Devils to the 1989 ACC Championship, seven-time SEC Coach of the Year, six-time SEC Champion, eight-time Eastern Division Champion, and his last year, uh, the last time he won the Eastern Division Championship was with South Carolina in 2010, and it's, uh, it's the Gamecocks' first and only SEC Championship game berth. Uh, he took the Gamecocks to a three straight 11-win seasons, uh, his name is in williams Bryce Stadium for most wins in a single season as a head coach. Uh, the uh, previous record was 10 in 1984. Uh, he won three bowl before he came to South Carolina. Uh, the Gamecocks had won three bowl games in its history. Coach Spurrier led the Gamecocks to five bowl victories in nine bowl games. Uh, his 208 wins at SEC schools is second in conference history. His 131 SEC conference wins is third in SEC history. Uh, since 1990, his 73.2 winning, 73 winning percentage at SEC schools is seventh amongst league coaches, and a 70.8 winning percentage versus SEC teams is fifth uh, among league coaches. Uh, in 2016, Coach Spurrier was awarded the Order of the Palmetto by the governor of South Carolina, which is the highest civilian honor given by the South Carolina state government. Uh, he was also uh, an assistant coach at, uh, he, at his alma mater, Florida, Georgia Tech and Duke. Uh, and he also was a head coach with the Washington Redskins. And in 2019, he led the Orlando Apollos to the American Association, to the AAF title in 2019. Um, one of the members of Coach Spurrier's coaching tree uh, is here at the University of South Carolina, uh, Shane Beamer. 
Uh, and uh, it is my hope that uh, when all is said and done and we're talking about the 2021 Steve Spurry Award, that Coach Beamer is a, is a strong candidate uh, for that award. Um, all that being said, just a couple of thoughts about Coach Spurrier. Um, I think he, everyone would say he was the winner of the best interview at SEC Football Media Days every year. Uh, he is a supreme competitor. Uh, you know, I would go back to 2013 Outback Bowl uh, when uh, we didn't get the right fourth down placement, uh, Michigan. Uh, he, uh, he was very illustrated on the sideline. And the next play, uh, he ordered Jadavian Clowney to knock off the uh, Michigan running back's helmet and force a fumble and recover it. And we went on to win the game. So uh, uh, he is a, a high competitor. Uh, and coach, I did, just to so you know, uh, tomorrow is the uh, Gamecock Football Media Golf Tournament uh, here at Wood Creek uh, called the uh, Birdies with Beamer. Um, a couple other things uh, if, if that stood out to me uh, is the Believer, the SEC story video. Uh, and I got this quote, when you set your goals every year, you have to believe you have a good chance to achieve them. Without any hope that it can happen, very seldom it will not happen. Uh, that, that's a very strong quote. Um, I'll end up with this. Um, my first interaction with Coach Spurrier, and really it wasn't a, 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 a uh, in-depth interaction, was the 2000 SEC Media Days. Uh, my boss was Roy Kramer, and we were sitting uh, together in the front of the room. He was doing media, and Coach Spurrier was in the back of the room, and they were having a give and take on postseason football. And uh, it, it, get, it got pointed a little bit. And, um, and, uh, he, coach Spurrier believed strongly before the playoff that there was to be a playoff. He, he felt very strongly about that. And, uh, but always felt that there was a mutual respect between uh, coach Spurrier and commissioner Kramer. And I remember going to, uh, coach Spurrier, uh, when, uh, Sarah Joe Kramer passed away. And, and, uh, the first thing coach Spurrier told me is I need his phone number. Uh, so, so that tells you a little bit. Um, I will, uh, uh, end up with this, um, uh, you know, if there was a Mount Rushmore of college football coaches, uh, I think coach Spurrier's face would have to be carved somewhere on that. Um, he is, uh, he has meant so much to the game, so much to the Southeastern conference, uh, and so much to university of Florida, university of South Carolina and all the places that he's been at, uh, he and his wife, Jerry, are celebrating, I believe, their 55th wedding anniversary next month. And uh, I think if you, they have four kids. And I think if you would uh, ask Jerry, she would say they have hundreds and thousands more of all the, with all the football players that have gone through uh, with Coach Spurrier and Jerry. So uh, the God has shined uh, on all of his teams and God has shined on Coach Spurrier and his family. So without further ado, I'll introduce the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Okay, thanks, uh, Charles, uh, for the kind words, the introduction. Uh, Mike Griffith, thanks to you for coming up with this award. Uh, he called me, oh gosh, maybe a year ago and said, I want to come up with an award for the coach of the year in his first year of the school. And I said, I like that. I'm intrigued by these guys that come in and they don't use all these excuses about give me three or four years let me get my guys in here and all that BS. They just come in and they say, we got ball players here and we're going to train them and coach them and try to beat uh, the 11 ball players on the other team. 
And that's what I always tried to do at uh, Florida, uh, Duke, South Carolina. And, and fortunately, the players I had at all these stops, uh, they were pretty good in believing that the coach says, hey, we can play with everybody that we play on the schedule. And now let's, if we play better than them, we can go beat them. So that was, that was pretty much my message, just trying to tell our players, we're good enough, let's go do it. And uh, certainly blessed with uh, all kind of talent. Danny Warfel and Connor Shaw are with us, uh, winning as quarterbacks in school history at Florida and South Carolina. Chris Doyne, all-time touchdown reception leader, held that record for 25 years uh, until the Alabama Heisman Trophy winner broke it this year. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate uh, uh, having this award. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to voting on the guy that wins it and uh, honoring a, a guy that comes in his first year and says, hey, we can win here. We don't have to wait till, you know, we get all of our guys and this, that, and the other. So uh, I admire those coaches that uh, eliminate the excuses. So thanks again, Mike Griffith, for coming up with this award. And uh, hopefully I, I can do my best to bring justice to it. All right. As I said, we have a, a couple of legendary quarterbacks on hand that uh, probably know Coach Spurrier about as well as anybody. And uh, uh, we'll start out with Danny Werfel. Danny, thanks for joining us tonight. And Connor Shaw from South Carolina is also here, and he'll speak after Danny. All right. Well, uh, very, very grateful and honored to, to be a part of this. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, Chris and I and many of us will probably argue of who feels the most grateful to have played for Coach Spurrier, but there are, are many. <clears throat> um, you know, I think part of my understanding of, of sort of the human psyche is, you know, some people try really hard at things to be great. Some people work really hard and, and then have success. But, but the natural thing when we're successful, I think, especially when we're young, is it's easy to sort of think it was because of yourself, uh, of your hard work or your talent. And it's easy to sort of not notice or pay attention or give enough weight to all those people that really shaped and poured into you all along the journey. And there's no, no greater influence in that journey, I think, as it relates to football than, than your coaches along the way. And I remember being in Fort Walton Beach High School. Uh, I was a sophomore. Um, our team, I think we were three and seven. We were not, not good, uh, ran the ball a lot. And we hired a new coach named Jimmy Ray Stevens. And he showed up and he saw me throw a few passes and we put in the run and shoot. And uh, we went eight and two that year and then 14 and zero. And that opportunity to play for that new coach gave me an opportunity to be seen by, by another coach who was starting to shape everything at Florida. And obviously that was Coach Spurrier. So I got a chance to play for him. Uh, I'll never forget several, several moments playing with Coach Spurrier. I remember one time uh, early in my career, uh, you know, Terry Dean and I were switching back and forth in some games and we were playing Florida State. And uh, Derek Brooks made the comment that, yeah, Danny's starting, but we'll see Terry really soon. And I remember at Thanksgiving meal at Coach Spurrier's house, he said, hey, did you hear what Derek said? He said, I want you to tell him early in that game that he's going to see you and he's going to see you all game." And uh, kind of think of that word, the, the believer, that, that, that sense that he believed in me and I had that confidence yeah. meant a lot. Uh, you know, my, my last year 
we were number one uh, the whole year, riding, riding a good wave, and we lost to Florida State the last game of the regular season, which in many ways takes you out of any hope for a national title. And, uh, you know, uh, those that are familiar with, with that game know that there were many, uh, I don't even say questionable, just flat-out late hits uh, that I got, got hit a lot. And uh, I remember Coach Spurrier using the term, yeah, Danny, he's a, he's a New Testament kind of Christian, well, he'll turn the other cheek, but I, I'm Old Testament Christian where it's an eye for an eye. So he, he came out firing. Uh, he was protecting me. And and, uh, and then we got another chance to play uh, against Florida State and um, and win the first national title there. You know, I think that uh, it was referenced the, the documentary on Coach Spurrier called The Believer. And uh, I think there couldn't be a better, better title uh, as a competitor himself and as a coach. He believed in what he was doing, and as players for him, uh, we bought into that. We believed that it could happen, uh, and so often, so often it did. You know, many, many times, uh, Chris and I have said this, but you know, the things that I do now uh, through Desire Street and the Warfel Trophy and the Warfel Foundation, my ability to impact uh, the world is incredibly different because I had the chance to play for Coach Spurrier. And it created a, a trajectory of my life that uh, that people respond and want to hear from me and answer calls. And so it's just been incredible. And, uh, you know, I think of uh, many times in his career, he arrived as a new coach uh, in, in this context. There's more. But I'm thinking of Duke. I'm thinking of Florida. I'm thinking of South Carolina. And so not only did he change the trajectory of many our, of our lives as players, but you've got three programs that the trajectory of the entire program was affected. And in many cases, you could say the trajectory of offensive football was changed because of coach Steve Spurrier. So I think it's incredibly fitting mm -hmm. uh, to honor a first year coach. And I can't think of a better coach to name this after uh, than Steve Spurrier uh, coach. I'm so grateful for you. I'm mm -hmm. proud of all that you've accomplished and this is a great honor. So thanks. God bless you all. Thanks, Danny. That was tremendous. Connor, I know that Coach Spurrier accomplished a lot of great things at South Carolina as well. Uh, could you please share some of those and uh, your thoughts for Coach Spurrier tonight? Absolutely. Uh, first off, Danny, man, I don't think we've had a chance to, to meet in person, but I've always respected you. I grew up watching you play and uh, followed you from afar ever since and, and obviously what you did on the football field, but you know, just how you carry yourself off of it. Uh, so you got a fan in me. But um, like Danny said, I'm, I'm very grateful to do this, to be a small part of this, this, uh, this uh, media press conference. And I had the opportunity to introduce Coach Spurrier last week in the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame and, and hang out with him. And his whole family was there and Miss Jerry was there. So again, thankful for being a, a part of this too. But this is uh, pretty neat for me to be able to share a bit from my experience as one of Coach's former players and the success that, that he had at South Carolina. You know, Coach Spurrier was one of my heroes growing up uh, as a kid in Bulldog Country in North Georgia. You know, I was watching Danny and 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 Doug Johnson and Jesse Palmer and Rex Grossman coach tear it up every Saturday in the SEC. And uh, Coach knows this, but but Danny, I, I mean, my room was like blue and orange, Gator heads everywhere. And so, you know, for me to have the opportunity to play for Coach Spurrier and and really just learn from him and grow from him and develop under him was fulfilled a childhood dream of mine. Uh, but then, you know, what he built at South Carolina, 
that stands alone in the history of this school. South Carolina did not have a rich tradition. Uh, the experience, uh, the expectation prior to Coach Spurrier taking that job is totally different now. You, you hear Danny talk about the, traje the trajectory of different programs, and that's absolutely the case at the University of South Carolina. He made it relevant. Him and the coaches that he brought in and the environment that he created and the culture that he created, it made South Carolina relevant. Uh, and he, he proved that sustained success and, and competing for championships can happen at South Carolina. And I'm currently on staff here at Carolina now. It's my second year with Coach Beamer now as the head coach. And there is a belief. Uh, there is a belief and there is a hope and there is a standard in place uh, because of what Coach Spurrier built and what you know, he accomplished what we accomplished under Coach Spurrier's leadership. Uh, Coach, uh, Charles Bloom mentioned some of this, his stats, but I mean, winning 11 games in, uh, in a season, three consecutive years, finishing in the top five, uh, top 10, three years in a row, beating Clemson five years in a row, uh, four straight bowl game wins, and three of those were New Year's Day bowl games, winning 18 consecutive home games in Williams-Brice Stadium, and then winning the Eastern Division. And, um, you know, that's quite honestly going to be hard to replicate. Uh, but that's something that there's evidence that it's been done. And that's what we preach to our players now. And that's you have a, a starving fan base because of what what we what the capabilities at South Carolina are. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard coach say that part of the reason he came to South Carolina was because he wanted to do things at South Carolina for the very first time. And all those things were firsts. And I can wholeheartedly tell you that those 2008, 2009, 2010 classes wanted to be a part of it. We, sh we shared that same vision. We, we shared that same belief and wanted to be a part of something at South Carolina for the very first time and leave a lasting impact. And, you know, we, we owe that to Coach Spurrier because he was, you know, we had great players. When you think that, think of the guys that came through here that he recruited, the Judadian Clownies, the Stephon Gilmores, the Melvin Ingrams, Alshon Jeffries, the list goes on and on, but you can quickly look around the SEC uh, and, and find that just about every contender has first, second, third round players. And so what differentiated us, I believe, was, you know, how well we gelled in the locker room. And he uh, did a great, coach did a great job of getting the right people in the culture that he was creating. Like we won more games before we stepped on a football field because of how much we cared for each other. And that's top down. We felt that top down. Uh, and then that competitive nature that we all know that Coach Spurrier has rubbed off on us. Uh, and, of course, he put us into situations to succeed. I mean, I still get a kick out of watching some coordinators and play callers uh, on, on Saturdays and Sundays, and they have this script that's about this big, and they're looking at that thing. And, you know, Coach Spurrier just had a great feel of the game. He was just very instinctive, intuitive, and he knew what I was watching, and, and he put us in positions to, to have successful plays. And it was just – I, I think just my personal belief, you know, he played the game, he, that quarterback in him. And I think what he had to say, what the things that he coached and reaching out to players, he had instant credibility because of what he did as a player. I know that deeply resonated with me throughout, you know, my South Carolina career. Um, and, and that's just not a South Carolina thing, what he did. Uh, you know, that, that what he did dating back to Duke um, shows his ability to find ways to win and instill belief and confidence and develop players. And so to have the first year head coach award be named after Coach Spurrier, who was also a recipient of this award in 2005 as a Gamecock is a no brainer. It's such a great and positive thing for the game. And uh, he's meant so much too. And um, like Charles said, hopefully Coach Shane Beamer will be a candidate to accept this trophy uh, after this season's over. Uh, 
we have a good year for the Gamecocks. But, Coach, I love you. Miss Jerry, I love you. And thankful for everything the Spurrier family did. Thanks, Connor. That was wonderful testimony. You know, when I uh, when we finally nailed down a date that we were going to put this out, I made sure I called all the other coaches, right? Because uh, Coach Spurrier made his name beating some of the best and some Hall of Famers. And so the first call I made was to Coach Fulmer. Uh, obviously, Tennessee and Florida had some great battles. And, and Coach Fulmer said, absolutely. What do you need? Uh, his comments were that Coach Spurrier changed the SEC, he said his freewheeling, freewheeling, wide open passing attack made all of us adjust to his style. But at the core, he could also run the football well. And that made the play action pass a big part of his way to play offense. Coach Fulmer said most of his teams also played great defense and wished Coach Spurrier congratulations. My next call was out west. Little did I know uh, I'd be talking with Coach Stallings about Coach Spurrier one day in this fashion. But Coach Stallings was, uh, once he got off the tractor on the farm, he came inside and called me back and uh, shared his thoughts on Coach Spurrier and said Coach Spurrier was just better offensively than the rest of us were. Uh, he said, first of all, he was a quarterback himself, so he understood the passing game, and he communicated that to his quarterbacks and receivers to do what they were supposed to do, and they always did it. He said, I enjoyed competing against Coach Spurrier because you, were new, you knew you were going to get the best that he had. Uh, then I reached out to Mark Rick. I saw Coach Rick last week in Charlotte. Of course, you know Coach Rick now working for the ACC Network. And Coach Rick was uh, more than pleased to comment on Coach Spurrier's success in this new award, said Coach Spurrier brought a passing game to the Southeastern Conference that it had never seen to that point. He pointed out he was a winner everywhere that he went, and he did it his way. He said, I always enjoyed watching his offense, and I would steal ideas from him quite often. Also, you never had to guess Recording stopped. as he was more than happy to tell you what he thought. I enjoyed competing with Coach Spurrier very much. Uh, obviously, congratulations from Coach Rick. And my final call was uh, to my first Southeastern Conference coach that I covered was Terry Bowden. And I think Terry's still trying to figure out how he got out of the swamp in 93 with the win. Uh, but, but Terry's comments were that everyone else said that you had to run the ball to win. But Steve Spurrier was laughing all the way to the championships, throwing it over their heads. He threw first and ran second. And that was unique back then. And then Coach Spurrier played the psychological game of trying to win before the game was fought, trying to get in the other coaches' heads so all they could think about was how bad they wanted to beat him. And is that not a testimony uh, to a great football coach and a man that was on top uh, from start to finish? So uh, one of the cool things about a sports writer running a press conference is you guys know I'm always going to make plenty of time for questions. So uh, for those sports writers, there's a raise hand function. And Michael Carvel is producing this tonight. Michael will unmute you and uh, call on you in the order that he sees. Michael, can you take over the uh, unmuting for the different writers as they want to ask uh, Coach Spurrier or our legends questions tonight? Steve, this is Reggie at WLTX in Columbia. Uh, good to see you again. Just you've had so many honors over the years. How special is this award because of its uniqueness in terms of a specific year that it honors? Uh, yeah, you're right, Reggie. It is sort of neat uh, to have a Coach of the Year award uh, with your name on it. And again, I appreciate Mike Griffith uh, putting this thing together. I uh, appreciate all my former players there and so forth. Uh, and we're going to have, uh, you know, some good times with this. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, bringing in uh, the, the first 
time coach of the year. And emphasizing that, uh, something I don't think has ever been done before. I, I can still remember when I got the Florida job, I, I had lunch with one of our big boosters, Mr. Alfred McKeithen, wonderful guy. He gave a bunch of money, his name's on a baseball stadium. And he said, Steve, let me tell you something right up front. We don't expect much the first couple of years here, but after that, we think we're supposed to be good in football. And I said, well, Mr. McKeithen, let me tell you something. We're going to be good in football this first year. He looked at me like I was crazy. He really did. Because back in those days, that's 30 years ago, the coaches would sort of poor mouth their team and saying, hey, we got a bunch of good ball players. We can play with anybody. And we got a chance to, to win the conference. And I, I remember uh, going to the SEC media day. And they said, what's your goals? And I said, we believe we got a team that's capable of winning the SEC. And we were picked like fifth or something like that that, that first year. And uh, and they sort of laughed at, you know, some kid from Duke, a guy from Duke talking about winning in the mighty SEC. Uh, but we did win it that first year because we had the players that were on board and already here to do it. So I, I was very fortunate in that. And then we tried to, you know, emphasize uh, setting your goals high. We didn't hit them all the time, uh, but we hit them a lot. And uh, that was, you know, my style of coaching was shoot for the top. You might not get all the way to the top, but maybe you'll get close to it every year and really proud of all of our teams. I think uh, here at Florida, 10 of the 12 teams finished in the top 10. So I like recording in progress. We did not win a championship also. Steve, this is Josh. Having done this yourself at South Carolina, what do you think Shane's chances are of being able to have, you know, not necessarily win this award, but have a good year in his first year, first year as a head coach on top of that? Well, he's got a chance. Uh, we got four guys in SEC, uh, Shane there at South Carolina, Vandy coach. Uh, let's see, the other two at Auburn. And uh, let's see, where's the other one? There's four of them. I forgot the other one right now. Gosh, I but yeah. But anyway, uh, and we got coaches all over the country with the first year. So Beamer's got a shot at it. Uh, you know, time will tell. I don't know what kind of team they got right now, particularly, but uh, uh, all, all the guys all over the country have got a shot at it, and uh, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Mike Bianchi, can, can you sort of relive? when you took over at Florida and you went to the Jacksonville Gator club and sort of predicted that Shane was going to be a chance to be the sec player of the year, even though he was like fifth team and, and, and yeah. took over a running offense. Yeah, I did do that, Mike. And, uh, you know, I found, uh, during my coaching career, if you tell a player, you could be the player of the year in the conference. In fact, I think you're going to be the player of the year in the conference. So I said that about Shane Matthews. He had never played. He'd been here two years. Uh, he's on the scout team both years. And they, they never gave him a chance. But their, their offense wasn't good for him anyway. So uh, all of a sudden, he got a chance to make decisions, throw the ball here or there, or check to a run or check to a pass. And he was fantastic at all that kind of stuff. So we had an offense that was perfect for Shane. He had good ball players all around him. And he was SEC player of the year, the first and second year. And uh, 
I guess we were 13 and one in SEC games and, and won the SEC both those years. So, yeah, I was fortunate that Shane was here and uh, his talents were uh, really just perfect for the style of offense. Eric Rett, the running back, we had receivers all over the place and our defense was uh, one of the best in the nation. So I was pretty lucky to get to Florida with, with the talent that we had back then. Yeah, coach, we're doubling up on the Orlando Sentinel. This is Edgar Thompson. What you, a lot's been made of the Florida 1990 team, of course. What do you remember about the two other programs, the college programs you took over early on, the challenges, and what kind of the key to turning those guys around were? Okay. Okay, I took over at Duke in 1987, and, and we had a good team. We finished five and six. Uh, we lost the game 23-22, and uh, But we came back and won the last game against North Carolina. Uh, had a couple of nice uh, conference victories. Beat Georgia Tech uh, pretty good. Uh, Steve Sladen, uh, by the way, in that game, set the ACC record for touchdown passes with six. And uh, one of the sports writers in Atlanta actually called the athletic director Duke and said, what do you think about your coach running up the score on Georgia Tech? And our AD said, well, you know what? This is the first time in 23 years anybody's ever accused Duke football of running up the score. And to tell you the truth, I sort of like it. So when people accuse you of running up the score at Duke football, that means you must be doing something pretty good. But after that year, uh, we had Anthony Dillwig and a bunch of Clarkston Hines, ACC Player of the Year, both those guys, and had uh, – seven-win season, and then an eight-win season in the ACC championship. So uh, first year there was very good. Uh, at South Carolina, the first year, uh, they had that big fight at Clemson. They had to kick off about seven or eight guys. But we still had ball players there, and they had wonderful attitude. Uh, we lost the first three conference games to Georgia, Auburn, and Alabama. And then we won five in a row somehow. Uh, Vandy, Kentucky. Uh, and then we beat Tennessee and Florida, which was something that hadn't been done in a long, long time. So we, we did some new stuff there and uh, got it rolling. Uh, but we didn't really get it rolling until about five years later when we got Marcus Lattimore, uh, Connor Shaw, Stefan Gilmore, and then the Clownies and all those defensive guys were there. And uh, I told the South Carolina people the other day, I'm still disappointed we did not win one SEC between uh, 10 and 13. Those four teams we had right in that era were certainly capable of winning an SEC. You beat Urban that year. I was at that game. You beat Urban. Beat Urban twice, but he beat us three <laughs> well, I'm times. I'm saying your first year. You guys uh, both first years. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, and then we beat him in 2010 in the swamp. So uh, we had a couple wins over the Gators, but and uh, and then we were five and five with Florida, and actually five and five with Georgia the ten years, and uh, five and five uh, with Tennessee. So it's we're sort of even with those guys, and we were holding our own, and uh, something that South Carolina had not done much in the past. Thanks, Coach. Okay. Coach, you uh you faced Nick Saban four times. I think you went three and one against against Nick Saban, and obviously he's having a lot of success right now. When you look back at those Saban teams and 
some of the staples? What, what was the key to your success when you went head to head with Saban? Uh, when he was at LSU, uh, they had good teams. They, they had good teams. Uh, we sort of matched up, I guess, with them pretty good. Rex Grossman. Uh, Rex may have been as good a pure passer as I ever coached. And when he was hot and uh, receivers, Jabbar Gaffney, uh, we had uh, Rache Caldwell, Taylor Jacobs, and those guys. They were right at a level with Ike Redell and Quezzy. Uh, so we had so many good players, big offensive line, and, and we threw the ball up and down the field. We scored, I think, 41 and 44 against two of his LSU teams. And then uh, we lost the last game to Tennessee, and LSU actually came back and won the SEC in 2001. So, uh, you know, one game doesn't make a season, and it doesn't win or lose you the conference championship. So uh, they, uh, they, they, uh, they had had good years there at LSU before he went pro, and then, of course, came back to Alabama. Uh, the time we beat him, uh, beat Alabama in 2010, uh, 35-21, Stephen Garcia had the game of his life. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Marcus Lattimore uh, scored three touchdowns. So it was just a game that uh, we played extremely well. They did not play very well, and our fans were into it. We had a packed house. Uh, I tell you, that stadium in South Carolina, it, it's tough for a visiting team to come in there. <laughs> they're, they're a good home, home field crowd, almost as good as the Swamp. The Swamp's the best. <laughs> But South Carolina's right there uh, with them as far as home field advantage, I think. Hey, it's Bianchi again. Uh, uh, Danny, Connor, maybe Chris. Can you guys just talk about, you know, when, when, when you're coached by Spurrier, everybody knows how confident he is. Is there an example of how his confidence sort of rubbed off on the team, whether you're playing Georgia or a uh, big rival? Well, yeah, I mean, I again, referencing back to the documentary about being the believer, um, you know, I remember being in high school and, uh, you know, he, he would come recruit you, you know, and, you know, uh, Coach Stallings was recruiting me at, at Alabama, trying to tell me if they had a good quarterback, they'd throw the ball more and, and you know, maybe even throw it for 200 yards a game. And Coach Spurrier would just show up with the stats from every quarterback he'd ever coached. And he's like, yeah, just look at that. You know, it's like 200 yards a half. And uh, you just sort of knew that he believed in what we're doing. And he made it so simple. You know, I can just picture him on the whiteboard going, you know, if they're going to put their guys here, you throw it here. If they're going to put their guys there, you throw it there. And uh, if the receiver's not there, that's their fault. And, um, and so we, we just believed in what, what he was doing and what he said. And uh, he just had a knack for uh, pulling the trigger at the right time. Um, yeah, if I were a defensive coordinator – and, and my team gave a turnover, I would back the heck up because that dude was going for the throat right after we uh, got a turnover for sure. Um, but just you just had that sense that you were always in it um, no matter what happened. And uh, he, he believed in us. He believed in the system. He got everybody to, to buy into it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a contagious it's a contagious thing when, when you have, have super confidence. And, you know, I'll also say he – we talked a lot about how uh, championships build memories that will truly last a lifetime. And, you know, I still, I stay at Chris Doring's house when I come to Gainesville. Um, the buddies that I made there and, their, and the experiences that we have, 
my relationship with coach Spurrier, you know, that, that stuff is true. And, uh, so yeah. And also Connor, um, you must have really looked up to me. You went to the same barber here recently. You know, only a select few people can rock it the way we do, Danny. But I'll, I'll echo what he said. You know, it really didn't matter who we played. There's a reason why he's undefeated versus FCS opponents. Um, it was no matter who we played, no matter uh, practice, you know, really the way that we operated inside the building on the practice field during this winter conditioning to the summer uh, player led stuff. Um, you know, that was winning on Saturdays was a byproduct of, of all that. And Coach Spurrier is the most confident person and most competitive person that I've ever been around. And uh, like I said earlier, that just rubbed off on us. And, and to what Danny said, we always felt like no matter who we played, uh, that we were going to win just because of how we prepared and how confident he was. You, you know, you, I think, Charles, you mentioned earlier that he always won SEC Media Day. Well, some of the players actually appreciated some of the comments that he had to say because it showed his level of confidence in, the, in his teams and his players. And that carried over uh, into Saturdays in the fall. Thanks. Steve, this is Josh again. What do you think about Texas and Oklahoma on the doorstep of joining the SEC? Josh, I do a little podcast here in Gainesville. We talked about it the other day. And here's what I said. I said, well, Texas, I can understand Texas jumping over. Uh, they get to play Texas A&M again. They get to they can't win the big 12 anyway. I think they've only won two in the last 30 years or so. What is it? Do you know the stats on that? I don't so off I can, the top of my head now. I can see Texas jumping over more money, play to A&M, this, that, and the other. Uh, but I'm sort of surprised Oklahoma, they are the champion of the big 12. I mean, they win it almost every year. They won what four or five in a row, something like that. And, uh, I just don't think they're going to come over to the SEC and win with any regularity the way they win uh, the Big 12. So uh, I just, their fans, they may say, yeah, now we can beat Alabama and LSU and all these dudes. Uh, it, it, it may not happen like that. So I, I, I don't know, but it, it's obviously more money. Uh, I feel sad for the other schools, uh, Kansas State, uh, Kansas, Iowa State, and all those guys because uh, they obviously need those two schools there. But uh, it looks like it's going to happen, so maybe it'll work out for the best. If you were still at a place like South Carolina or even Florida to some degree, would you feel like this makes your job tougher, adding two programs of that caliber to the league? Would you be a little, a little slow to jump on board with that? Oh, I don't know. You'd you'd have to ask the uh, uh, the presidents and the trustees. I, I heard the other day they have to have what eleven votes out of fourteen to to get it done yeah. in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, so I think you got to ask those guys. Uh, the other coach, uh, no, nah, I mean as a coach, you you don't control any of that. You you worry about your guys and your opponents, and that's really the only thing you should really concern yourself with. Anyone else have any more questions for Coach Spurrier or, or yeah, Danny or Connor tonight? 
I've got one more coach. Do you think um, uh, Gus Malzahn has a chance to win the uh, Steve Spurrier first-year coach of the year award this year? That's right. Uh, coach Gus is up for it. Yeah, first year to school. Yeah, he's got an excellent shot down there. Uh, uh, UCF uh, has been strong the last several years. So Coach Gus is uh, – he uh, will have – uh, Micah, we're going to have the list as it goes through the season. You know, these are the candidates now that are doing oh, yeah. well early and so forth. I don't know if we'll do that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, any first-year coach has got a shot at it, uh, Mike. Thank you, Coach. Yep, that would make uh, Gus Mel – if he wins, he would be the first two-time winner. That would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see yeah. a coach win that, win that twice. Uh, any other questions for Coach or Danny or Connor? We've got a few minutes left. Coach, can okay. I ask you one more, please, Edgar Thompson? Um, you know, this is a, a little off the, the, this award for a sec, but just a Gator question real fast. I mean, you obviously set the early standard at quarterback at that school. We got Danny on here. What do you what do you think, Emory Jones? What do you like about him? I'm sure you've seen some of him at practices and stuff. What do you say? Yeah. Emory Jones. Did you talk about Emory Jones? Oh, yes, okay. Sir. Uh, yeah, he hadn't played a whole lot. So we're going, to, we're going to find out. Uh, I mean, he's the guy now. Uh, Coach Mullen has given him the reins. He, he's the quarterback. Uh, he's an excellent runner. We'll probably do a little bit more quarterback runs than obviously with Kyle Trask. But uh, uh, at times he's, he's played very well, just hadn't played much yet. So I admire Emory for, for sticking around for two years. This is third year here, I think. And uh, – and so now his, his time's come. So I know he's looking forward to it, and uh, we, we think he'll play very well. Okay. Thank you. I see Jack Leo has a question. Jack, you have a question for Coach Spurrier? Uh, sure. Uh, Coach, when you look at kind of uh, your early success, especially, you know, in that first year with the program, uh, what have you maybe seen as some of those keys to your, your almost instant victory uh, when taking over the reins with those new teams? What was that question? Question again? Uh, like, like when you when you start these new when you start off with a new program a new team or is there anything specific that uh, maybe your recipe to almost that that instant victory that early success? Uh, no, not really. Uh, uh, you just start coaching, and uh, it shouldn't be that complicated that uh, you guys are not ready to play. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, coaching the Orlando Apollos. That was my last stint as a coach in the Alliance of American Football was the name of that league. And uh, they went busted after eight games. We were seven and one, and we were the next two best teams were five and three. So we were declared the champions of it. Uh, but you just start coaching away, start coaching, getting ready, first game, second game, third game. Uh, it doesn't take a year or two years to coach your guys to play. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, that's, the thing that uh, I, I don't uh, like hear coaches say, you know, give us another year or two year, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you got a bunch of guys. I always said, you got 11 and they got 11. Go play. Obviously, you might be a little uh, light, a little less talented than the other guy. But uh, you got to eliminate excuses all the way around to give your, your players a chance to play. They, they got to know, hey, we got a chance. May not work out, but hey, we'll have a chance next week. So that, that, that's one thing that when I got into coaching, I, I wanted to try to tell our players, 
we got a chance. We're not, we, we may not be better than them, but if we outplay them and the ball bounces our way, we got a chance to win. And you have to approach, I think, every contest that way. Ben Portnoy, do you have a question for Coach Spurrier? Yeah, I got a quick one. Steve, kind of the flip side of that, just when you do take over a program, you know, what are maybe the one or two or three things that, that are difficult about learning a new locker room and, and, you know, going into year one? What are maybe the couple of things that you point to that, that make your year one maybe difficult? Well, uh, my first year here at Florida, uh, oh, about the second week of practice, all of a sudden the freshmen came out and their heads were all shaved. They all got all the hair cut off. And I asked, asked one of them, what happened? And he said, uh, coach, the varsity guys cornered us up, shaved our heads. He said, that's what they do here. And I said, we're not doing that harassment here anymore. So I got the team together. I said, time out. You upperclassmen guys, we're not doing this anymore. It's already done now. I should have, I should have notified you earlier. We don't do that crap. And uh, but one of the and one of the older players raised his hand. He said, "Coach, it's a Florida football tradition to shave the heads of the freshmen." And I said, "I know another Florida football tradition: getting on the bus, going to Jacksonville, and watching Georgia kick our butts up and down the Gator Bowl. And we're going to stop that tradition also." So they got the message right then. We we needed we needed some new traditions in Florida, and uh, we had the players to do it. So that's why we were able to jump out there, you know, the first year and then keep it going because uh, the players were here and their attitude was ready to be adjusted. They didn't think they had all the answers, that first year team. They were they were ready to try something new and uh, really a great, great bunch of guys that 1990 team, really was. Guys, I think we're about out of time. I just shared with you that, that the best career advice I ever got was, was from Coach Spurrier in 94 when I asked him what made him so successful and he told me there was two ways to be successful in life that you could work harder and longer at it uh, or you could do things different. And he chose to do things different and, and he did. And he had tremendous unprecedented success and he's left a legacy that now we'll all celebrate each year with the Steve Spurrier coach of the year award. I want to thank uh, Steve McLean from Florida and Stephen Fink from South Carolina for helping me get some pictures to put up for those viewing on SEC country. Uh, certainly my employers at Cox Enterprises uh, for allowing us to use this channel, Michael Carvel for his production, Chris Doring uh, for seeing this vision through on Coach Spurrier and, and Danny Werfel and Connor Shaw. I mean, these guys didn't have a whole lot of notice. Uh, we put this thing together like Coach Spurrier used to draw them up on the sidelines pretty quick, uh, but I, I think we all came out winners tonight. Coach Spurrier, thank you very much, and congratulations. Connor and Danny, thank you for your time. And all the media members, we really appreciate you joining us uh, and asking these questions and celebrating and recognizing the Steve Spurrier Award. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks, all you sports writers. Thank and you. And all my former players. And my guests and all you guys, thanks for tuning in.